Sydney. Amen. Had some wonderful praise reports this week. Brother Eugene texted out, I believe it was yesterday, might have been the day before my days get crossed, but that his, uh, his mother had another scan, I guess, and it came back cancer-free. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sister Tia's mom had her five out of seven procedures or uh, treatments so far and she big old smile on her face the Lord has strengthened her so thankful for that 
Pastor was released from the hospital yesterday, no infection. Amen. God is good to us, isn't he? Amen. We have so much we can thank him for. Amen. Your cries have awoken the master. Oh, crossing the calm sea with Jesus, the disciples were getting concerned. The wind started violently blowing. He was asleep at the stern. Oh, does he not care that we perish? We're helpless and we're so afraid. Jesus arose when they called him. And he said to them, where is your faith? Because you
Lord, take my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I am
receive the evening offering at this time. Key of F, draw me nearer. <clears throat> I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise Thank you. 
power just now. <clears throat> oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Sister Marilyn's uh, procedure went well. 
on, uh, I believe it was Monday, so we'll thank the Lord for that as well. Once again, God right on time. Amen. Let's remember Sister Sharon Rose. She's home not feeling good. Not sure what it is, but thank God no fever or COVID. There's certainly been some things going around. I know there were several that were sick Sunday that I didn't find out about till later. But it's good to see Brother Will back. I know he wasn't feeling well. Yeah, Sister Jones says she's very weary and needs special strength from the Lord. And I certainly pray the Lord will give her that. I know she's going through a lot. And I'm only 40. I can't imagine doing it at 40, what she does in her 80s. So I pray the Lord really strengthen her. Amen. Seems like sometimes the, the older generation is just a lot stronger than us, you know. I just don't think I, God would really have to send me something special to be able to do that. Amen. But we know the Lord will strengthen her as he strengthened all of us so far. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request this evening? Brother Terrence, if you don't mind, come take us to the Lord in prayer tonight. got a little testimony. Uh, little town that I'm from in North Florida. So the hurricane, the eye of the hurricane went right over it. And they was talking about a category four was going to go through there. And so I called my, my daughter. You know, I said, hey, what you going to do? She said, I'm going to ride it out because she worked as a correction officer also. She said, they might want to come to work. I said, okay. Then I said, you know, you can just ride up here, you know. She said, no, I'm going to stay here, you know. I said, okay. Basically, all my family, a lot of my family is dead. And it's a little small town. And so, I just prayed to the Lord about it. You know, and basically, I said, Lord, when that hurricane come across there, let it at least be down to a one. And that's exactly what it was. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because a Category 4 going across Little Madison County, Florida, would have destroyed that town. You know, and, uh, and my auntie... You know, she's one of them prayer warriors, and she put this song out. Um, we, we, they text all the time, you know, good morning, God bless you, and everything. And uh, she put this song out, and it was just saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And I, that song just been in my head all day. I wish I could sing it, but it was just, thank you, Lord. And that's how I just want to pray and just say, thank you, Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, gracious God, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, oh God. Just thank you, Lord, each and every day for everything that you do for us, oh Lord. Thank you, oh Lord, just for opening our eyes, oh God. Thank you, Lord, just for leading us in prayer, oh Lord. Thank you just for leading us to a place of worship, oh God. Thank you, Lord, just for having us a pastor, oh Lord, that was telling the truth, oh God. Sometimes the words that I find myself speaking is what I'm hearing my pastor speak, oh Lord. He touched more people than right here, oh God, because... His words re resonate in the ears of others that's coming through my mouth at times, O oh Lord. So I want to thank you, O oh Lord, for that, O oh God. Thank you, O oh Lord, just for the people that's here, my brothers and my sisters, O oh God. I just want to thank you for blessing each and every one that's here, O oh Lord. And the ones that need prayer, O oh God, need healing in their body, O oh Lord, bless them, O oh God. I just want to say thank you already, O oh Lord, for bringing Sister Joan out of her situation, O oh God. Because I know, Lord, is already done, O oh God. So, Lord, I just want to thank you already. And, for that, oh God. Thank you for the worship leaders. Thank you for the drums and the, and the instruments, oh God. Thank you for the deacons in our church, oh Lord God. Thank you for each and every one that's here, oh God. 
God, you know how I love my brothers and my sisters, oh God. And I love being around them, oh God. You know, Lord, I just want to say thank you. And that's all that's in my heart right now today is say thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything, oh God. You know, Lord, as you come out one more time, oh God, as we hear your word, oh Lord, because you love us so dearly, oh Lord, that you, you want us to be like you, oh Lord. So you give us your word each and every time that we meet, oh God. And so, Lord, just come one more time and bless your people. And then thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I just believe that the Lord spared Madison County because Brother Terrence has family there. Amen. Brother Terrence prayed and God answers his children. Amen. <laughs> Sing this song this evening as we invite our pastor out. I'm amazed. Key of D. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed how you care through your precious blood. I found pardon and my sins are washed. They're all washed away. All my sins are washed away. Yes, I
As I struggle along, they say I have nothing, but they are so wrong. In my heart, I'm rejoicing. How I wish they.
for your blessings on me. We certainly are a blessed people. And I'll give you a little bit more of my story just this past week. That one more time, God has proved that he is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. You know, as I've said many times over 23 years, that God does not send you into a battle without preparing you for war. And I just had preached on part of the seven compound redemptive names of Jehovah. God, our provider. He's our healer. He's our banner. He's, our, he's the presence around us. Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sidkenu. All of those are in Jesus. Jehovah of the old is Jesus of the new. And sometimes I don't know who the sermon is for. Sometimes the sermon's for me. Because you know my faith comes by hearing too. And I've got to go through struggles. I've got to go through warfare. Matter of fact, I've got to go through more than you. As the head, I become more of a target than you do. Because if you, if you, you, you can wound an animal and him still live, but you cut his head off, he's dead. There's no more life. And that's the target of every local assembly that is preaching the truth. The head is the target. And if Satan can ever shut me up, you know, there's a big word in there, if Satan could ever shut me up. But he's tried again and he's failed again. And one more time, Jesus has come out on top. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1. It's good to be in church. You don't know how good it is to be in church and not to be laying on your back in a hospital room. I don't know I don't know what you've been through or what you're going through but let me give you a word of encouragement tonight he's mindful of whatever you're going through and I'm going to tell you friends sometimes we don't have the answers we don't know why. We, we just There's questions we have in our, in our heart, in our mind, in our spirit. And we just we don't have the answers as to why we go through what we go through. But understand this, that everything, every step that you take is ordered by God. Amen. And it all is, is, is bringing us to a place of what he's seen of us from the foundation of the world. It's bringing us to his character. Jesus was the express image of the Father. That word express image is one word in our language, it's character. Jesus was the character of the, the Father. And one thing that you're taking out of here, only one thing, and that's character. And character comes by only one way. <laughs> we want character, but we don't want the suffering. But that's the only way that character, because character is not a gift. It's a victory. And so in, in order to have a victory, you've got to have a battle. And I'm going to tell you right now, I stand here this, morning, this evening victorious Amen. over the enemy. 
I may be I may be limping a little bit this this morning. That's all right. They had to do some procedures and things that uh, I almost lost my religion over. I'm here to tell you, friend. I thought I well. We'll get into that and let you be seated in a moment. Romans one verse number seven. <clears throat> Paul says to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. That's quite a powerful testimony that their faith is spoken of throughout the world. But understand this, my friend, that your faith cannot be spoken of throughout the world unless you've been through hell. Nobody will know of your faith unless your faith has been projected and you've lived your faith. Talk is cheap. But when you go through it and you come through it on the other side victorious, then your faith will be spoken of throughout the world. Because you know that it wasn't you that brought yourself through it. Because faith is a revelation. So he gives revelation so it was him that brought you through it. Verse number 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without, seek, without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Remember, the Bible tells us we gather together with saints of like precious faith. Paul says we have a mutual faith, both of you and of me. Verse 13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was led hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as, it, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you and that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated. Last Wednesday I started having a sore throat, wasn't feeling very well and uh, went to bed not feeling very well and was up during the night as is just about normal for me. I very rarely have a complete night of sleep. Um, and Thursday, I went and I had an order that I had placed. Uh, some some people had given, given me some gift cards from Lowe's, and so I used them online. And so I, I didn't feel like going, but I needed to go ahead and go and pick up the order. They was going to put it back on the shelf. So I went in and uh, pushed myself and uh, got in in the vehicle, told my wife I'm going to go down to Loganville and pick up the order that I placed online. Well, on my way to Lowe's, I started feeling very disoriented. 
Started feeling like I didn't know where I was at, where I was going. I completely lost concept of reality. Um, and, and so I called my wife and I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, something's going on in my head. And you, you all know I still have a pristine brain. <laughs> but there was something going on that just wasn't right. I, I knew in my head that something wasn't right. Um, I've been called an airhead before and it seemed like that at that time that's all that was there was air. I was I, I completely lost, I was completely disoriented uh, to where I was at, where I was going, where I'd come from. Had it not been for the GPS in my vehicle, I would not have known how to get home. So I told, her, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to stay with you on the phone until I get home. I said, because I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm completely at a loss as to where I'm at. Um, I, I was trying to figure out who I was, where I was going, where I had come from. It was, and I told her on the phone, I said, this is a very scary moment. I said, because I, I, I don't know. It's, it's like I had a, a momentary experience of amnesia. I completely didn't know anything. Just completely, it was like I was a six-month-old child. I just didn't know anything or uh, had no concept of reality. So, by God's grace, I made it home, and I got in the door, and I just fell on the couch and laid there in a fetal position uh, until, until the whatever I was dealing with, hoping that it would pass. And as the night grew on, I, I began to feel worse and worse, and I had a terrible night again, was up during the night. Uh, all during the night, and the next morning, I started to have chills, as you do when you have pneumonia and colds and uh, things of that nature. I started having chills, and my body was shivering uncontrollably, and I had three blankets on me, and I was still shivering, and I told my wife, I said, you need to come down here and keep an eye on me because something's just not right. Something's going on that I, I don't know what's, what's happening, but something's not right. I said, bring the thermometer and take my temperature because... I was seeing signs of what I had seen in 2019 when I had sepsis. And so she comes downstairs and takes, she takes my temperature and it's 102.9. And so she says, we're going to the hospital now because after I had a major surgery and they put metal in your body, metal attracts bacteria. And so anytime you have metal in your body, they, they have to watch you very carefully for the first Eight weeks, and from six to eight weeks is the most critical time after a, a uh, replacement surgery, whether it be hip or shoulder or, or knee or whatever the replacement is. And when they put metal in your body, uh, from, from six weeks to eight weeks is the most critical time that you can get sepsis. And the 26th of August was the eighth week, which was last Saturday. Um. And so I started feeling, that morning I started feeling horrible, uh, and so she, uh, I just, and just what I had on, which was basically, you know, what I go to bed in, just what I had on, she said, just let's go like you are, don't have to, you know, because in my mind, my mind's going back to 2019 when I had sepsis, because I'm having the same symptoms. And, 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 and understand this, when you've been down a road before and you start seeing the same symptoms, don't you think for a minute the enemy ain't coming in. And he will absolutely torment your mind. 
and telling me, here we go, I'm taking you down this road again, but this time I'm going to take you. Last time my, my, my temperature got to 107, and my, my uh, blood pressure, I forget, my wife can tell you, but it was 90-something over 50-something. And so when I got to the ER, <clears throat> and they took me right back because of my symptoms, they did an EKG, the EKG come back abnormal. They took blood, and when they took the blood, they, they found something in my blood report that looked as if I had had a mild heart attack. And so um, they began to, then they took me back and did a brain, brain scan. They did a CT scan on my brain. And uh, I was still in the ER at this, <clears throat> at this time. And so they had me do a video call, you know, like a FaceTime type deal with a neurologist, uh, which is a brain doctor. <clears throat> and he looked, you know, through the screen at me and he says, um, you're not at septic level. He says, you're not at septic level, but you're on the road to sepsis. He said, you need to be admitted immediately. And so, he said, because when you have a viral infection, he said, because we have found that in your body somewhere there is a viral infection. We just don't know where it's at. We just know it's in your blood. You have a viral infection in your blood, and it can affect any organ in your body. And he said, it could have affected your brain when you had that episode when I was going to Lowe's on Thursday. <clears throat> because since then, I have not had another one of those episodes, and for that, I thank God. Um, because that would, to say the least, that was a very scary time to be on the road and you'd lose all comprehension of reality. And so he said the fact that you had that episode, he said a viral infection can cause, you, can, can cause problems with any organ in your body. He said obviously it has, it has attacked your heart and it has attacked your brain. He said, but we don't know exactly where the, the virus is, so we need to have a full... Uh, need to admit you and have a full run-up on from you from head to toe to find out where this is. Well, first thing that they did was contact my surgeon that did my knee uh, replacement because of uh, the metal that they put in there attracts the bacteria and the infection. Mm -hmm. And so they did uh, x-rays and scans and things like that. So they found fluid on my knee. And uh, so therefore, by seeing the fluid on my knee, they assumed that the infection was in my knee. So I stayed in the hospital over the weekend. You can't get anything done in the hospital over the weekend. Everybody goes on vacation. On, You can't be sick on the weekend. You know, everybody's on vacation. They come in and say, well, we can't get in touch with them till Monday. So you, you just lay here and you, you know, you just, you know, stare up here at this TV and you lay here and you eat. And if you can stomach their food, you can you eat and you, you just lay here for the weekend and Hopefully by Monday we'll know something. Well, Monday morning my surgeon comes in, and he's going to, and he tells me he says, "Now I don't." Right up front he looked at my knee, and he says, "It doesn't look like uh, that it's infected at all." He said, "I see no signs of infection in your knee." He said, "But we'll go ahead and aspirate it." Now I, I had my shoulder aspirated when I had sepsis before, and when they aspirated my shoulder back in 2019. The doctor looked at my shoulder and said those exact same words. Your shoulder does not look like it's septic. It does not look like you have infection in my shoulder. 
Well, it proved that he didn't know by looking that I did have an infection in my shoulder. But he made an assumption, and he went ahead and did the aspiration on my shoulder, and he stuck a needle down through my shoulder and, went and drew you know, fluid out of my shoulder. Well, I remember that episode, and I, don't, I didn't remember it being that painful. I mean, I've had hundreds of needles, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say hundreds. I've had hundreds of needles, and I'm not a junkie. But I've had hundreds of needles stuck into my veins. And so I've had, I've had uh, fluid taken off of my, my joints. I've had uh, cortisone shots. I've had my nerve endings burn off the end of my uh, spinal cavity, off the end of the vertebrae. I've had six vertebrae, burnt, the nerve endings burn off all at the same time. Uh, and, and they were needles. There were six needles in my back. And I was awake the whole time. I've had, I've had a CT myelogram, which is a seven-inch needle that they stick into your spinal cavity. And they put pressure black dye into your spinal cavity. I've had that done while I was awake. So I've had a lot of procedures done. And most of them, you know, you could get through. Most of them, they'll, they'll either numb the area with some kind of local anesthetic. Or they'll spray it with some kind of really freezing cold spray to where you don't feel, you know, because it's a very large needle. Um, the, I, don't, I don't know the diameter of the needle, but it's, you know, anywhere from five to seven inches long. And so the, the surgeon, he, he did not prepare me for what he was fixing to do. And he did not put a local anesthetic. He did not numb my knee. He did not even give me a cold spray. He didn't even spit on it. He did nothing. But all of a sudden, he jammed a needle under my kneecap. And, you know, at this point in my life, after all I've been through, I have a very high pain tolerance because of what I've been through. But he rams this needle, and my wife is standing there, and she's watching this, and my eyes are closed. Uh, and he's jamming this needle in and out of my kneecap, underneath my kneecap, and he's trying to draw fluid, and he's ramming it. And, when, you know, he's a grown man, you know, he's 50, 60 some years old. And he's grown full grown man, and he's just ramming this in my under my kneecap, and I am screaming in pain. And when my wife has seen many uh, many procedures that I've went through, and I didn't see her because my eyes were closed, but I heard her moaning. I heard her oh 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 yeah, oh oh, and I'm thinking, my God, what's this man doing to me? He was shaking the entire bed. Ramming, and what he was trying to do was get all the fluid that he could so they could biopsy or they could do the culture of the fluid in my knee. And he, and that was Monday morning, and this is Wednesday night, and I could still barely walk on my leg because of what he did. And I was almost to the point of telling him, that's enough, stop, I've had enough. But by, by the time I got to that point, he was done. And he pulled the, the needle out, put a Band-Aid on, and he got out of Dodge quickly because I had, at that point, pretty much lost my religion. And I had never wanted to hit a man right square in the face so bad in my entire life. It hurt so bad that he just kept ramming that, and then he would try to draw the, the fluid, and he would ram it in there and shaking the whole bed, shaking my body. I'm 220 pounds, and he's shaking me, and he's just ramming it in there, drawing it, the fluid, and he gets some bloody, nasty-looking fluid out of my knee. He says, okay, we'll take this back, and we'll see if there's any infection in it, test the cultures, and they had already taken 
uh, some other things on Friday, which they say they put, put it under a microscope, and they say if it don't grow within three days, then, then the infection is dead, and there's no more infection in there. So I go all day Monday, and I'm in extreme horrible pain. Up to that point, I had been doing fairly well until he did that. Um, and I spent Monday mostly in prayer trying to get back in good graces with God. Because it hurts so bad. I can't even tell you how bad this needle, this five, six, seven inch needle, ramming up underneath my kneecap and trying to get this fluid out of my knee. I cannot even tell you how bad it hurt with no anesthetic whatsoever, no numbing agent whatsoever. Just stuck it up in there and just and just rammed it up in there and tried to you know draw some fluid and rammed it back up in there and tried, tried to draw some fluid. And I thought, God, it, will this ever end? <clears throat> And finally it did. And, and they're telling me all kinds of things. Your EKG is, is abnormal. You've got this in your blood. You've got this. And, and you know, at this point, I don't know where this is going. I, I don't know. I, mean, I had have several doctors tell me different things. You know, you're on the road to sepsis. You know, you could have had a heart attack. Uh, this could have affected your brain. You could, you know, possibly have a stroke. I mean, all kinds of things was, was being said to me. Uh, because viral infection is nothing to play with. It can be very serious, and it can be life-threatening, to say the least. Sepsis, sepsis certainly is life-threatening. Um, so I laid there, and I know, knew the saints was praying, and my faith was weak. I'm just going to tell you right now, my faith was not where I wanted it to be, but that's why we're, we're part of a body. And so they told me on Monday, the, the nurse to come in on Monday, and so, you know, my wife's always full of questions. I mean, if, you, if you're afraid of your doctor or asking your doctor any questions, take my wife with you. She's not afraid to ask any questions and, you know, hey, let me, before you leave, I'm like, here she goes. She's got a list of things she's going to ask them. And she did, and uh, she, wants, she wanted some answers. We needed some answers. And they said, well, the culture, the, the culture that we took on Friday if it don't grow within three days, then there's, the, the infection is gone. Now, here's the thing. Here's the supernatural thing about this whole deal is they let me go home yesterday afternoon. They started to discharge me yesterday morning. I didn't get discharged till yesterday afternoon. That's how long it takes them to do this. But anyway, um, they do not know where the infection was. They do not know where it went. They do not know now why it's gone. They have no answers. They just said that the culture didn't grow, so the infection is dead. They, have, they, give, no, they give you no reasons why, but I have the reason. I know the reason. I know the reason why all of a sudden you know, the culture is not growing and the, the infection is going away, and now all of a, all of a sudden I'm infection-free. And the doctors, they, they don't come in with any answers. All they say is, you can go home. Wait a minute. Wait, what happened to the infection? What happened to the heart attack? What happened to the stroke? What happened to the EKG being ab ab abnormal? What happened to all these things you're telling me? All of a sudden, I can go home, but you got no answers for me. Because they're still practicing medicine, and they, they don't know anything about the supernatural. But I'm here to tell you, I'm a witness of the supernatural power of God. You, you come too late to tell me that my God's not real. 
Oh, but Brother Daniel, you're limping. That, that, that's just for a season. Yes, sir. It'll go away in time. Yes. I've been down this road before. Pain has a purpose and it is not eternal. So it came and it's got to go. And I know there were people that were praying. There were people that were fasting. There were people that were holding their pastor up before the Lord. I had people texting me, how you doing? We're praying for you, holding you up before the Lord. And so I know that prayer works. I know that God is still on the throne. I know the blood still uh, has power. It will never lose its power. And I'm a witness standing here tonight that when... When Brother Brown walked into my office, he was like, whoa, I didn't expect to see you here tonight. Well, that's because my God is real. And he said, when I seen Brother Isaac wasn't in a suit, then I assumed he wasn't preaching. He said, and I didn't know who was preaching. So I, I, he said, I thought I'd go find out. He said, the last person I uh, thought I'd see in your chair would be you. I said, well, I've, I'm, I, I'm here by the grace of God, and I'm going to do what I can to give the devil another black eye. Amen. <clears throat> and it's amazing that, that the timing of this, me going through the book of Romans, uh, you know, the, the timing of me going through this and spending these days in the hospital and, and all that I had to go through every morning between 4 and 5, go ahead and expect to be woken up. Uh, they're coming in to take blood every morning. And you get a knock on the door. Oh God, here they come! You go ahead and you go ahead and hold your arm out. You go ahead and get ready because they're going to ask you. You know where's the best? Here, it's right here. It's right here. This is the best vein right here. This is where they get the best blood right here. So you go ahead and you school them. You know, and uh, so I actually had an IV to to go bad on me. So they had to take that one out and do, redo it again and bring machines in to try to find my. Because I was dehydrated, and they come in, had to come in and find another vein and stick me again. And anyway, it's been quite the journey. But in in this reading of Romans one, Paul says these words: "I am not ashamed." Now that I have this, an even more and greater testimony than I had last week, God has given me more of a testimony. That God has come on the scene and done something supernatural in my life. Now, I, I, now, God is now holding me responsible to either be ashamed or not ashamed. Because now the door has been opened again for me to give a testimony or to keep quiet. Am I ashamed of what God has done? No, I'm going to tell it from the rooftop. And anybody that gives ear to that wants to hear, I got stories to tell. And you've come too late to tell me that my God is dead. There's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. He's, not, he's no longer there. He is alive and well. I have seen his works in my life. I have seen his supernatural power in my life. I know what I've been through. Some of you, some of you are in a fog right now because you have no idea what this old boy's been through. My wife and, and my children know some things and my, my wife knows more than most of you. Well, my wife knows more than all of you. The only, the only one that knows more than my wife is God. The things that I've been through and the places that I've been and, 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 and how low that I have been and, and the things that the doctors have told me and the places that I've been through and the valleys that I, and how low that I have been, my wife knows. And she has seen me come through them, not by my power, not by my might, but by His Spirit. 
by his power, by his grace. Because I'm going to tell you right now, had it been for me fighting the battles, I wouldn't be here tonight. Had it been left up to me, I wouldn't be here tonight. But because of his grace that has been extended, sufficient grace. You know, he told Paul, he didn't tell Paul he was going to take his infirmity from him. He never did Paul tell Paul he was going to take it from him. Paul asked him three times. Three times, take this infirmity from me. And he says, no, my, my grace is sufficient. So he, didn't ta- he never took the infirmity from him, but he gave him sufficient grace to go through life with it. So God may not take things from us. We may have to live with certain infirmities because Paul did. Paul went through a lot of things. Just go read about Paul's life. Paul went through more than most. And yet through all of this, he said, I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Hello. Shipwrecked three times, beaten with rods, stoned, thrown into prison. I mean, he bitten by a viper. I mean, this man had went through it. And through all of this, he tells the Romans, and I found, I found it very striking that in his opening remarks, again, we're still in the opening remarks to the church at Rome, that, that Paul says these words, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now you have to realize again, I lay this out again as I've said from the very beginning of our study of the book of Romans, that Rome at that time was a horrible city. It was very decadent, it was very vile, it was very violent, it was very uh, um, uh, perverted. I mean, that wasn't as bad as we are, but they ran a pretty close race, Okay. And for Paul to come out with this. Now understand that in Paul's day, there were people, when Jesus tells us to go into your prayer closet, we got people coming out of theirs. <laughs> he tells us to go into your prayer closet, but we live in an hour where people are coming out of their closet. And these people that are coming out of their closet are not ashamed. None of them are ashamed. Now there, there was a time that people were ashamed. There was a time in our society that people were, they called them, they called them closet drinkers or closet uh, uh, addicts or closet this or closet that. People didn't know about it. They didn't let the public know about it. If they was a homosexual, they was a closet homosexual. They didn't, they didn't let the public know about it. They kept it secret because they was ashamed of their lifestyle. But now people are not ashamed of their lifestyle. They're not ashamed of, you know, one day they're a dog, the next day they're a pelican. They're not ashamed. This is the society. You know, we laugh, we giggle, but this is reality. This is the society we're living in. People are, are, are allowing their children to make their own decision. Do you want to be a boy? Do you want to be a girl? No, God made that decision from the foundation of the world. However you was born is what you'll be when you die. I don't care what kind of surgeries you have, it will not change your sex. You born a boy, you'll die a boy. Born a girl, you'll die a girl. The, the, the surgery does not change the hormones in your body. And that's, that's the, the pitiful thing about it, this generation X that we're dealing with that, that is coming up. That if God tarries another 10 years, and I pray he doesn't, because I'm telling you, friend, we're dealing with enough garbage in Washington. 
with idiots in Washington, the people that know, you know, from one day to the next. I mean, just absolute people. I watch some of these things. I got time sometimes to watch some of these things in Congress and, you know, on Capitol Hill and watch some of these debates. People absolutely have lost their mind. And I, I don't say that just tongue in cheek. I'm telling you right now, they are insane. To actually try to pass a bill in their state as their st senator or congressman, whatever they are, to try to pass a bill that a child can be aborted up to the minute before they're born. And, and not call it murder. But yet, if you murder a woman that's pregnant, that's insanity. When they'll, they'll, they'll try you as a double murderer. If you, if you kill a woman, if you murder a woman that is pregnant, then all of a sudden they call that fetus a life. But yet if you abort it, and there's no murder, and they don't call that murder. They don't call an abortion murder, but if you murder a woman that's pregnant, all of a sudden it's murder. Does that make any sense to anybody here? No, because we got our right mind. And the right mind is the mind of Christ. Which is the word of God. And I watch some of these things. And some of these, these left wing, you know, left -wing uh, Democrats that, uh, that are absolutely lost their mind. And some of the things, some of the bills they're trying to pass. And, 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 and allow into our culture. And there's no repercussions for these people. There, there, there's no justice. If you go down and, you know, and scarf a Kit Kat at the local 7-Eleven, you might get 20 years. But yet, Hunter Biden could have a laptop full of garbage. And, 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 and Joe Biden can, can do what President Trump was, was impeached for. And it'd be on video that he did what they said he did. Quid pro quo. Y'all remember that when, when Trump was uh, impeached? Well, Joe Biden is on video, recorded video, saying that he did that. That he would withdraw from Ukraine a billion dollars worth of funds if they didn't fire a certain attorney that was prosecuting his son. That, my friend, is buying out a politician. That is quid pro quo. And pre President Trump was impeached for it. But yet... Joe Biden can get by with it. And it'll be on video. And all they had on Trump was a phone call. But see, you go down here and, you, you know, some, some bum off the street is hungry. And he goes in there and, you know, he, he's, you know, a bum, right? And he, and he steals something from the you know, quick trip. You know, they're going to come, call the cops. They're going to cuff him. They're going to book him. The people, all the, all the ones in Washington need to cuff some. Amen. They all need to be in an insane institution because they've all lost their mind. But we're living in the day, friend, my friend. Listen, they are not ashamed to bring these things forth. They are not ashamed to, to, to bring these things on the floor of the White House to give those people certain rights that our forefathers didn't give them. And yet take away our rights that our forefathers did give us. That's how insane Washington is. And yet none of them are arrested. 
Like, yeah, but see, now it's, you know, it's fixing to be election year. Coming up on election year, so we gotta, we gotta attack Trump. We don't want Trump to be part of this, so we gotta do something, get him out of the race. So we gotta indict him. So he's got indictments now, not only in New York, but he's got indictments in Georgia. And even got a mugshot. Former president of the United States, have you seen his mugshot? It looks like a man on a mission. <laughs> Only my hair ain't orange. <laughs> Brother Branham said that, that, talked about that people walking down the street would just lose their mind, go completely insane. Amen. We're living in that day. Yes. Paul was living in a day where people were coming out of the closet. They were not ashamed of their lifestyle. They were not ashamed to come out and say, you know, because Paul deals with all these things, and we'll get into it as we go through the book of Romans, of what the Christians were dealing with, with people in, in the city of Rome. The decadence and the perversion and the violence and homosexuality and all the things that was going on in, in the city of Rome. Paul deals with it in the first chapter of Rome. That God's wrath is going to be released on those that hold the truth of God. In unrighteousness. They know what's right. They know what's truth. But they're holding it in unrighteousness. Don't you tell me for one minute the homosexuals don't know what they're doing is wrong. Listen, I was born at night, but not last night. You cannot tell me that a, a person's nature they was born with don't tell them that when they go through sexual acts with the same sex, Something inside of them tell, is not telling them this ain't right. God did not intend it to be Adam and Steve. He called them Adam and Eve. And there is no, and then people, people want to say, well, Jesus didn't deal with homosexuality. Oh, yes, he did. A man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his So he did deal with it. He didn't say cleave, a husband cleave to his husband. But yet it's, it's now, see, you can't say nothing against it. And you have to even be careful of the pronouns you're using. You actually, some people are offended. If you don't call them he or she, you've got to call them them or they. I'm like, I only see one. But <laughs> you want me to refer you as them? Well, I, I'm beginning to understand, understand why you want me to call you them because you got a bunch of devils in you. Yeah. I'm not dealing with just you. I'm dealing with all them devils inside of you. So, yes, I will re refer to you as them. Uh, same thing that when they come to Jesus, legions come to Jesus. That what, what, what was the, the voice that come out of legion? Torment us! Not before the time. So he had to, he had to identify as them. Now you're dealing with a man that's got 2,000 demons in him. So that's why it was us. And we're dealing with people that, listen, we're in a, such a political world that everything's got to be just on your, your job. You've got to be careful what you say. Yes, They'll take you to court. I mean, years ago, you know, back, back in my day, oh, I never thought I'd say that. 
Back in my day, you know, you could say things, you know, with no big deal. People didn't take it personal. People didn't want to sue you if you said things. You know, I played ball with the brothers. Do I have to get graphic? I played, <laughs> I played ball with the brothers. I didn't like playing with white boys. They didn't know how to play ball. So I played with black boys. And we call one another names. I can't even call it now. I can't even say it now because people get offended. And I'm not calling anybody that derogatorily. When they call me a hunky, and they would. I didn't, do, I, I didn't take it offensive. It wasn't offensive because I was a hunky. And when I called them the other word, they didn't, they didn't take offense to that because that's what they was to me. And it wasn't being ugly to them. People, <laughs> Listen, back in the 80s, that's just what we call one another. But yet the rap singers, oh, don't, here we go. The black rap singers can have that word all through their songs. And nothing's ever said. But see, you got to spell it right. You got, you got to pronounce it right. There's no R on the end of it. There's an A on the end of it. And they can call each other that, but you can, white folks can't say nothing about that. Because it's politically incorrect. And they don't, they don't even study history. They don't even know what the word means. All that word means is one from the country of Niger. And all of a sudden, it's a political word that you can't say. How many remember the O.J. Simpson trial? You know the reason he got off? Because of that word. I remember it well. I watched the whole trial. And had not Mark Furman used that word as a police detective, had he not used that word over and over and over again with a, with a camera on him, O.J. Simpson would have been convicted of two murders. But since he used that word and they got it on camera, well, then now they used the political side. Now they got race involved. And now he gets off scot-free. At least he thought he did. Then he wound up in jail anyway. Be sure your sin will find you out. Let's get back to our thought. People today, as, as it was in Paul's day, that's why Paul wrote this like he did. I am not ashamed of this gospel. And he's wanting the church at Rome. He said, I, I long to come to you. I want to come to you because I know what you're going through. But I also want you to know that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So therefore, I don't want you to be ashamed because all these people coming out of the closet are not ashamed. So don't you be ashamed. You sisters that live holy and dress holy, don't be ashamed. And I know that pride, using pride the wrong way is of the devil. But there is also a good pride. Because there is a pride that God has. I can prove it to you by the Bible. There is a pride that even God has. It's not a bad pride. You sisters that live godly and holy and, 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 and as sisters should, wear your clothes with pride. 
Live it. Let your long hair flow with pride. Let the world see your clean face with pride. You brothers, let your short hair show with pride. Don't be ashamed of anything that you do. Any way that you live. Listen, you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be persecuted. But Jesus said, when they do that to you, you're blessed. You're doing this for my namesake. And when they do this, you are a blessed person. When you take all of this ridicule and all this persecution, now it's not just the sisters that are taking it, it's brothers that are taking it. Because now you've got, you've got a, a, a tire that I wouldn't put on as a man. That they claim is man's clothing, but I wouldn't put on. But yet preachers are wearing them. I would be ashamed to dress like some of these preachers in front of my own mother. Pants that are so tight, it leaves nothing to the imagination. I don't have to get graphic, you know what I'm talking about. And these men come out on stage. And they get in with the, with the, with the choir and with the uh, praise team. And listen, don't tell me it's not entertainment because it is entertainment. If that's worship, I don't want no part of it. Now, and there's many people that has asked me about the night of worship. You know, when we had there uh, last Saturday night. Many people have asked my family, how did Brother Daniel feel about it? How did, did he like it? Did he not like it? How did he feel about it? They want to know how I felt about the night of worship. To me, it was a success. I felt like it was absolutely worship. They, and then, then, then people ask me, they said, well, what about the lights? I said, that was for the video. That was for the video. There's certain things that you have to have to get a good video, to get a good product as far as a DVD. Now, when I, they asked me up there to pray, the stage, that, that kind of stage is not for me because I couldn't see nothing. Them lights... I don't know how many lumens, but I want one of them bulbs for my flashlight. You talking about lighting up the, the night sky, you wouldn't get lost. I couldn't see nothing or nobody. I just said, you know, I hope that they stayed there while I prayed because I didn't know if they left or not. I wouldn't have known. You couldn't see nothing. They got these bright lights right in your eyes. And so I was going to say a few more things while I was up there, and I thought, I can't even see. I'm going to pray and get out of here as quick as I can. Let them have the stage. So I'm going to tell you how I approached it. I was there to worship my God. So I worshiped my God. Other people might have been there for other reasons, but I went there to worship my God, and that's what I did. Hello? And that's why I meant that I was going to make the comment that if this is going to be uh, anything other than worship, it's canceled. Because listen, this is, church is not about entertainment. So you, you, you have to, you have to you understand why Brother Brandon blasted certain men and women back in the day. Back in the 50s and 60s, most, most people today in the church don't even know these names, but I could call them. Some of you older ones would know who I'm talking about. What these people was doing, Ernie Ford and Elvis and Pat Boone and different ones, what they was doing was singing rock and roll on Saturday night. Yes, sir. 
and singing how great thou art on Sunday morning. They was mixing the two together. And they would, uh, as the different documentaries I've watched on Elvis, he would go out there and sing Jailhouse Rock and Hound Dog and all the different things on, you know, uh, on his concerts and, you know, the different ones they have on video and you can watch them uh, uh, online and you can see it. But the musicians and the backup singers, J.D. Sumner and the Stamps and the different ones that backed him up over the years, they would say when he would go back to the suite in the hotel, uh, all night long he would sing nothing but gospel songs. He would not sing Jailhouse Rock. He would not sing Heartbreak Hotel or whatever, you know, whatever all the songs he sung on stage. I don't know because I didn't listen to him. I don't have none of his records or tapes or nothing um, because he was Judas, Satan incarnate. So I have no part to do with him. But they said he would go back to his suite. He pur- purposely had a piano in the room and somebody would play the piano and he would sing. They would sing all night long ju- just after this concert and they would sing... Gospel songs all night long. You know why? Because he's tormented. He's tormented. And every concert that he had, that's why I said what I did a couple weeks ago about Whitney Houston. Her concert, she would throw in at least one gospel song. That was to help her conscience. Thinking, well, if I throw in one song for Jesus, then Jesus will let me in. Don't work that way. So that's why Brother Brandon blasted these ones that he blasted. You know, I went and listened to, I went purposely. And I, you know, I grew up listening to Brother Brandon talk about Tennessee Ernie Ford. But I had never listened to him. I mean, even up to my married years, I had never heard the man sing. So one day I thought, you know what? I'm going to go listen to him. And after I listened to him, I questioned why would somebody listen to this man? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. When you get home, do a Google on Tennessee Ernie Ford and listen to this man sing. It sounds like he's calling in the hogs. I don't know why anybody would be even entertained by this man's voice. But yet, Brother Branham blasted him, Pat Boone, and different ones because they were not ashamed to sing rock and roll Saturday night. They were not ashamed. Neither were they ashamed to come out Sunday morning in church and sing, He touched me or how great thou art. But I'm going to tell you, I would be ashamed. I would be ashamed knowing that I had to sing, How great thou art in the morning. I would be ashamed to walk out on stage and sing, You ain't nothing but a hound dog. And the reason these people are not ashamed is because they have no conscience. Things don't bother them. Why, why, why do you think people are doing what they're doing today? Dressing like they're dressing and, and, and making a statement. Their t-shirts and their bumper stickers and all the things that they have. They're making a statement they want everybody to see. And you have a, you have a shirt on about Jesus or John 3.16 or some kind of Christian reference. They'll come to you and they say, that offends me. But you can't go to them about what they're wearing and say, that offends me. Because that's against their First Amendment. What about my First Amendment? All of a sudden, Christians have no First Amendment rights. We can't express our speech. We can't express uh, express our faith on a t-shirt or on a bumper sticker. But they can. They're getting more rights than we are. That's why Paul comes out and says these words, I am not ashamed. 
When the door opens for you to give testimony about Jesus Christ, do not give up that opportunity to give glory to God. When that door opens, you walk right through it and say, let me, let me tell you how my fire got lit. Let me tell you what God's done for me. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a singer. I'm not a song leader. But I do have a testimony. And I want you to know what God's done for me. And I'm not ashamed to tell the world what God's done for me. And you know, God, out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be established. Just in the last six months, I cannot even tell you how many people that I have given my testimony, even part of my testimony to, have told me these words. You need to write a book. Because my testimony is simply unbelievable. Because there are people that went through a whole lot less than me and are not living. Went through a whole lot less than me. And then when you go and, and, and people say things and then it opens a door for you. You know, it's like when I was giving my testimony at, at that, you know, Sunday morning after the night of worship. And I went through some of the things I'd been through and I completely forgot about shooting myself. And that's the thing people want to talk about more than anything else is, is being shot. How did you shoot yourself? And where did you shoot yourself? You know? What did it feel like? They want to know all the details about you shooting yourself. I mean, who does that, right? Now you know why I had that episode on Thursday. <laughs> some of you didn't get that. And to think that I could have absolutely destroyed my hand, could have blew my hand off. I could have bled to death because that's where they check your pulse. All right? Could have destroyed that particular vein and bled to death right there in my, in my bedroom. But yet God brought me through it. And I'm able to use it. People can't believe it. And see, we've grown accustomed to it because we've heard it so many times and it's become, we take it for granted. I don't want to ever take this for granted. And every time I get an opportunity, I don't care who, you know, I know other people around me go, here we go again, I've heard this, you're going to hear it again. And you're going to hear it again. Because if you was in my shoes, you'd take that opportunity to tell about it too. If you'd shot yourself and lived through it, you shot yourself and still had your hand and could use it, you'd w- want to tell your testimony too. Yes, sir. And, 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 and it's not only for me, you can tell others what happened to me. And then, if you're not ashamed of this church, and you invite somebody to come to this church and say, this is the man I told you that shot himself. Then they want to talk to you. Then it opens the door of the supernatural. And this is what I tell people. I didn't see it. I don't know whether it be true, but this is what I believe, so lead me to my belief. I believe that there was an angel there in that bedroom that had his hand on my hand that stopped that bullet from exiting my hand. I talked to somebody this this last week and they looked at me after I told them the testimony and they looked at me and they said, a full metal jacket? Some of you don't know what a full metal jacket is. A full metal jacket is a bullet that does not have soft lead on the end. It is meant to penetrate and keep penetrating and keep penetrating. It does not mushroom like most bullets. Okay? 
It is used, these types of bullets are used in warfare to shoot through engine blocks. Through tanks. Through, through army trucks. Because it's full metal. It doesn't have lead on the end of it. So it's meant to penetrate and not stop. It's meant to, you know, when you shoot an animal, okay, with a gun. I'll give you hunting one-on-one for just a minute. When you shoot an animal with a gun and a certain type bullet that you use, you don't use a full metal jacket on an animal. That's not designed for an animal. Because that bullet will go through an animal so fast it won't do enough damage to kill it. Because actually, when you shoot an animal with a type bullet it's designed to shoot an animal with, it doesn't kill it uh, by, by penetration, by going through it. It kills it by blunt force trauma. Therefore, the bullet does, many times does not exit the animal. It stays in the animal and it mushrooms and it just destroys whatever it touches. So I, had I had a different type of bullet that mushroomed, it would have absolutely took my hand off. But God knew that I needed a certain type of ammo in that gun to give him more glory. Because people look at me and say, there's no way a full metal jacket did not stop because it's designed to keep on going. I said, you know that and I know that, but for some reason God was not aware of that. God was not aware that this bullet was supposed to keep on going. Because he stopped it right here. And I'm not ashamed to tell people. And when I tell people and the look on their face is just complete dumbfoundness. It's like they can't believe it. Then I, That opens the door for me to say these words. I believe in God. I'm a believer in the Word of God. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I believe in the supernatural. And I believe there was an angel there that stopped that bullet to save my hand. And who can deny, when you see something like that, who can deny supernatural power? When I'm not in a wheelchair... When I can still walk and I can raise my arms and I can do the things that I do. After they told me that there were certain things I would never do again. God give me opportunity now. Are you ashamed to tell it? Are you ashamed to tell the world what, what I've done for you? Because you know I did it. I know you did it, Lord. Because had it not been for you on my side, I don't know where I'd be. Let me close because you realize I got several scriptures, but my time's gone. Because you realize that after I had my shoulder, my first replacement, which was a partial emplacement, replacement, partial replacement, it was not a full replacement, partial. Well, then when he cut the bone, and I've said this before, when he cut the bone, there was a pus pocket. Infection was already in my shoulder, and the MRI didn't pick it up. So now once the surgeon cuts the bone, he's committed to the surgery. He cannot back out. He's, done, he's cut the bone, so he's got to do the surgery. So he cleans it out and does everything. So long story short, I end up getting sepsis. It comes back three months later. I end up getting sepsis, the pick line going through it every four hours. My, uh, my wife at Ashland having to administer uh, antibiotics to me every four hours at my home. Uh, when I got to the hospital... In 19, 
my blood pressure was almost the exact same as it was when I got to the hospital on Friday. My fever was almost the exact same. My blood pressure was, they was both within the same range. So you can imagine after going through this three times, going through sepsis, nearly dying, you can imagine when the doctor told me, I, both of your knees need to be replaced. Wait a minute now, I, I don't think I want no more metal in my body. After what I went through with this one, I'm done with metal. When, some of you remember when, I, when this happened, I had braces on. Well, when I got sepsis, they had the, the, the oral, the, the orthodontist had to take those braces off because metal attracts bacteria. And he had to take the metal off my teeth and put plastic ones on. And if I ever decide to have braces again, God forbid, I cannot have metal ones on. Because they attract bacteria. And for some reason, my body is prone to attract bacteria. And so in my mind, I'm thinking when, when I get this one replaced after I went through sepsis on this, the warfare in your mind. Well, I got sepsis with this. My brother-in-law got sepsis with his replacement. He liked to die. He got a blood clot. He still to this day won't go, go and get a full knee replacement because he's scared of getting a, a, a sepsis and another blood clot. Or blood clot, I don't know if he had sepsis, but he had a blood clot and nearly died. His legs swelled up like three times its size. And, and, he, and to this day, he still has a plastic one in his leg because he says, I don't want no more metal in my body. So I'm going to go on. And, some, and I talked to the doctor and he said, some people live the rest of their life with plastic ones in. They, want, they don't want metal. I didn't like the plastic one in my shoulder because it made all kind of noise. You imagine plastic sh shoulder joint. And you're out there playing basketball and people are hearing this creaking and this groaning. <laughs> What's that noise? My shoulder. <laughs> so I told the doctor, I said, no, I want it out. I want whatever you got to do, do the whole thing. Because see, you have to understand that I was, facing, I was facing a decision. Will I trust the doctor? Will I trust what I've already been through or will I trust the Word of God? So I went through this one okay, didn't get sepsis, didn't get a blood clot, didn't have no problems, come through it. Hey, everything's okay, now i got to get the other one replaced. Well, again, it comes back in your mind. Do I go through it again? Because there's always a chance when you have these kind of surgeries to get in sepsis. The, the rate of, of, of getting sepsis from a replacement surgery is very high. A lot of people don't know that. But I do because I studied it out before I had the first one done. And it's very high when you get metal put in your body. It's a very high rate of, uh, uh, that people get sepsis after they get metal put in their body. So then when I had this one replaced, again the devil comes back to me. Well, I missed the opportunity on your right leg, but I'm going to get you left. Well then, Friday, I mean on Thursday, Friday morning, I'm chilling just like what I remember like it was yesterday what happened in 2019 when I went through that. And I'm shivering and I'm cold and I'm hot and got blankets and my temperature's going through the roof and blood, blood pressure's dropping. So in my mind is the warfare. In my mind again, you're going through sepsis. Here we go. My wife's taking me to the ER. And when they took my blood pressure, you could see their eyes. When they take the blood pressure, they're, whoa. And then my wife, of course, my wife's going to ask because they got it turned to where you can't see it. And my wife's going, what, is, what, what was the blood pressure? 
Excuse me. <laughs> Ma'am, what was the blood pressure? It was 93 over 52. Well, they didn't want to tell us that. Now, if you know anything about blood pressure, that's pretty low. Yeah. My temperature, uh, the highest that they took it, it was 103.2. It's a pretty high temperature. But I'm standing here tonight, not ashamed to tell you, my God is real. My God is alive. Because Jesus says these words as I close. If you're ashamed of me. Whoo, quiet now. See, I didn't, I didn't mean for y'all to shut down on me. But he said, if you're ashamed of me in this life, then my father's going to be ashamed of you. In this world that we live in and everybody's coming out of the closet and you see these, uh, these parades and you see these, uh, these uh, uh, people that protest and these people dress like clowns and idiots and people that need to be in a circus. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they have no, they're not ashamed to dress like this. They're not ashamed to hold their signs up for their rights. They're not ashamed. What about us? It's okay when we come to church because we're, we're protected by the body of Christ. But what about when we go out into the world? Don't be ashamed of him. I tell you this as I close. He was not ashamed of you. When he walked up Mount Calvary. He was not ashamed to be stripped naked on your behalf. To bear the stripes on your behalf. He was not ashamed. For the world to know as he spread out his arms. And let them put the nails in his wrists and his feet. And drop that cross in the hole. They didn't gingerly ease it in there. They dropped it in the hole. And his whole body shook. That's why they didn't put it in his, in his palms. Because it would have ripped out. They had to put it between the two bones in his wrist. So it would hold. The pressure. As they dropped him. And his whole body shook with pain. He wasn't ashamed of you. He wasn't ashamed to be identified with you because the joy that was set before him was you. The whole reason that he did what he did was you. If there was only one that he was going to come down from glory to save, you got to believe it would have been you. If there was nobody else he was going to save, he's coming from glory for me. you got to believe that. That he loved you so much. All the world's going to hell. But he's coming to save me. You have to have the revelation. As David did. The Lord is. I can't speak for you. But I can speak for me. I know he's my shepherd. I shall not want. You know why I shall not want? Because he's my shepherd. When you read it in the original. David is saying these words. Musicians come. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall never be in want. Oh, when I said musicians come, I lost some of you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall never be in want. Because he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. 
He's Jehovah Rapha. He's my healer. I'm standing here telling you that the doctors don't know what happened in me. They had no explanation. They didn't come give me a write-up as to what happened to the infection because they don't know. One day it's in my blood, the next day it's not. But one day to the next, they're just watching this, seeing if this culture is going to grow. Now, it could have just as easily started growing as not. But because there were some people of God boldly going before the throne of God, that culture could not grow anymore. God stopped the growth. Let's stand. Y'all wore me out tonight. That's a good thing, isn't it? That means somebody got something. Because you operate the gift. Listen, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not ashamed out there. Matter of fact, matter of fact, they're bold. They're bold in your face. And then dare you to say something about it. But if I get a chance to give glory to my God. I remember one time years ago. I was just, just hadn't been married long. And my pastor at the time, Brother Henry, he went down to Brother Ziegel's. Brian remember Brother Ziegel. Some of you may remember Brother and Sister Ziegel down in LaGrange. We went down there on a Tuesday night to hear Brother Dwight Hall. And... I was sitting on the front row with Brother, Brother Wilson was on the front row. And so they looked at me and, say, and they asked me, you know, would I, do you have a song would you like to sing? Care to, would you care to sing for us? Word had gotten around, I guess, that I sang specials from time to time. And I looked up and I said, Turn it down. I have never felt so bad in my entire life. Like I had just slapped my God in the face. I don't claim to have a good voice. I don't even have much of a good opening. Voice or an opening. But the Bible doesn't say I have to have a good voice, just a joyful one. And I don't even remember what was said, what was preached on or preached about. All I know is that entire service, I was whipping myself. I was beating myself up because I had an opportunity to sing for Jesus. And I turned it down. So on the way home, we got in his Ford F-150. I'll never forget it. We got in that truck. And we started home. It was just me and him. And I turned to him. He was not only my pastor, he was my brother-in-law. I turned to him and even though he was my brother-in-law, I still showed him respect. I said, Brother Henry, I said, I want to tell you something. He said, okay, what's that? I said, as long as I live, as long as there's breath in my body, I will never turn down an opportunity to do something for God. I don't care if I'm embarrassed. I don't care if I get humiliated. I don't care if I start on the wrong key. 
That don't matter. People worry too much about being correct and being, you know, Brother Ram said, sing till they're blue in the face and have to have all the, you know, like an opera singer. No, God don't require that. But I told him with tears running down my cheek, I said, I will never, ever turn down the opportunity to give praise and give glory to him. I don't care if there's better singers in the audience. That's not what this is about. We're not about competition. But if I have an opportunity, and I told him, and I'm, and I'm in it, and from that day till this, I can honestly say, I've never turned down an opportunity. Whether it's to testify, whether it's to sing, or whether it's to preach. God opens the door. He expects me to walk through it and not be ashamed. He's the one open the door. But it's up to us to walk through it. Give me G. I'll turn it over to Brother Brian. I had, I had intended for tonight to be the night that I closed it on my own and not rely on Brother Brian. But because of that surgeon with that needle, I'm going to have to get off this leg. So you pray that I have perfect love for that man. But I come to the point laying in that bed after he done that to me. I come to the point of laying in that bed. If I had 27 more knees, he, he wasn't going to replace none of them. Some of you didn't get that. <laughs> At that point, I was glad I only had two knees, and he was, I was done with him. You wouldn't replace, if I, if I had 27 more, you ain't replacing none of them. I ain't never going back to you. You are a butcher. You have no bedside manners. So you, you, you pray my strength in the Lord that I get perfect love for this man, because until I get perfect love back in my heart for this man, I can't grow in God. You have to come to a place that no matter what somebody does to you, you got to still love them. Oh, I know people get, people get their feelings, oh, they hurt me. Oh, yeah, he hurt me too. And he came back in the next morning and I had the opportunity to give him a piece of my mind. But I ain't got too many pieces to spare. And so when he left, I didn't have much to say to him. But when he left, my wife goes, how come you didn't tell him off? Because <laughs> I was scared if I started going, I was going to get up out of that bed. Me and him going to have a serious prayer meeting. So I'm going to have to get off this leg and let Brother Brian uh, finish up. Maybe my, this, this coming uh, weekend that I can... Close it out by, by myself. I, I thank God that I have somebody I can turn it over to. Amen. When I look around and see the good things He's done for me, I know I'm unworthy of them all. For His blessings He freely gives I owe my life to Him I've got so much to thank Him for Well, I've got so much So much Well, you see He's been so good to me
ashamed about so thankful for what he's done for our pastor once again and we we should all be able to go out and share the testimonies that have been coming through the church here and give the devil a black eye all all around the state amen god is so good to us amen just looking forward to even more good reports coming in and the other things, uh, the other day, Brother Terry Tidwell had posted a kind of an emergency that Sister Vicki needed prayer, and um, I forget, maybe it was the next day, he posted all as well. She, I guess she had to get a little blood or something, the devil trying to get her once again, but they're still claiming her healing, and we are too, and just believing that this was just a little bump in the road, and she'll be right back to doing as well as she was. She's been doing so well for the past four or five months, better than she's done in years. And looking for the same for Sister Erica Parker and Brother Ronald E. God's doing great things. We're certainly thankful for all he's doing. We'll sing this before we're dismissed and service back here Wednesday at 730. Be in prayer for the service. Key of F. Sunday. Sunday. Oh, today's Wednesday. I guess I need sleep. All right, today's Wednesday, Sunday at 11 and 4.30. I would have remembered by Sunday, at least. Hmm. Oh, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord.
Thank you.